You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities in Merozelch in Johannesburg. David, it's been a week of shame for South Africa from a socio-economic point of view, I think, with yeah. uh, incidents of, of violence, which is, mm. I suppose, an interesting backdrop because when it comes to the xenophobia, for example, I noticed that Nigeria is up in arms about the xenophobic violence against Nigerian citizens and against Somalians who have been targets in the past. But anyway, specifically Nigerians this time for various reasons. And they've said boycott South African industries. And I don't know how serious people take that this sort of thing in Nigeria. But they're a proud nation and I think that maybe certain companies might be targeted. I don't know. What is your view on this? I, I, I'm sure they would be. The two ones that stand out are, of course, MTN and uh, ShopRite. Yes. Um, I don't know whether everything has been reported, when there's been full reporting, and uh, whether there have been incidences which are, are, you know, worth taking care of. I'm sure the shops themselves or the businesses themselves have taken as much protection as they can. But it is a worry. It's a worry that, you know, we talk about Ubuntu, and I'm not using my words, but uh, um, Africa has always stood together, and uh, been, you know, even if you listen to Cyril Ramaphosa. This, uh, talk about uh, Mugabe. I mean, uh, going back to the fact that he did open the doors or he did harbour uh, refugees from South Africa or exiles from South Africa during the tough times here. So there is this feeling of camaraderie amongst Africans. And yet, uh, when you look at what's happening in South Africa, we're anything but hospitable to, to outsiders. Um, I don't know what's driving it, but Lindsay, the looting continues. You know, the looting, uh, not every incident is reported or certainly filmed. You know, the media can't be everywhere. But there's no doubt that this is uh, starting to bubble over and cause problems. Um, so it's, it is an issue. It has a, you know, the strange thing and something that I, I, I always battle to understand and uh, is, is that it doesn't really reflect in the market. You know, it exactly. doesn't reflect in the rand. It doesn't reflect in our interest rates. And and what what that leads me to believe is that you know that there's very little human interference. You know, there are algorithms, and that's what dictates the markets. Because um, if I was watching from the outside or I had to drive through Melbourne, um, I'd be very reluctant to come into this country. You know, when you actually see the social violence flaring up. Um, it has an effect in Hong Kong, you know, where, where you're having these uh, weeks and weeks of, of protests. Yes, it's affecting business there. But somehow, I think, markets have just been complacent. They've just brushed it aside. I don't know whether it's a good or bad sign. I, you know, I think I'm it's surprised. a sign that so the people that are trading the markets in South Africa anyway are numbed to the fact that yeah. this is happening because we're so used to it and we accept yeah. it and we say, well, so what? It's another few shops that have been looted. It's mm. another woman that's been mm. raped and murdered. Mm. And mm. it's another mm. pronunciation from Nigeria about this or this or this. Mm. Uh, or it is foreigners or it's a combination of both. The foreigners are sitting in London and they don't really understand what is going on in this country. Mm. And quite frankly, they don't care as long as they see the numbers every six months. Mm. It really doesn't bother them. They don't take a I, stand. I, I think it's exactly what you're saying. I don't. I. I don't, in fact, if, you know. You know what bothers me? I tell you what. My real worry is, and I might have spoken about this before, is that when I look at the volume figures on the JSC, they're almost non-existent. Yes. I mean, this. I. I, I was looking today because this is process week. You know, this is the week that we split. Um, you know, we split uh, NASPERS. And the process will be listed, 
and I look at the volumes on the JSC, and they're about just about 12 billion at the moment now, with less with less than an hour to go. 34 percent of which is in NASPERS. That's 4.1 billion. Yeah. Take that away, there is no trade. It you is know, an. Uh, uh, by, by, when hmm. I say no trade, liquidity is very light. There is nobody interested in this market. Uh, this is a pathetically low number. You know, take out take out NASPERS. So the worry is what happens after that because there's no doubt in my mind it'll take a few weeks to settle. But any foreigner who wants to buy process, which is really the the heart of NASPERS, is going to go to Amsterdam. Yeah, there will be spin-off That's trades, of course, on, so on the, on the JSC. But when is process mm-hmm. listing again? What is the date? I think it's the 11th or 12th. It's this week yeah. that the split comes about. You know, and uh, I'm not sure you can start trading. I'm, I'm not sure the mechanics of the whole thing, but uh, it does mean that we're going to split the business. And if you're a foreigner, you're actually not going to get the South African share register. You will be now on a foreign register. So if you're a non-resident, if you had bought NASPAIR shares as a non-resident, uh, you were busy. If you were in the UK, you will actually get, you will go on to the Amsterdam register. You won't go onto our register here. So a lot of the volumes are going to automatically go onto outside registers. So um, without getting too technical, uh, what it does mean is that a lot of our trade, uh, a lot of the trade is actually going to bypass us and be fun, which I think is the, the purpose of the whole listing. So I'm I'm concerned. I'm, you know, when we lost breweries, uh, we lost a lot of trade. It was never made up in ABNBF. ABNBF has never appealed and never attracted uh, widespread following here. Even Glencore, when it came here, Lindsay, we never got big volumes here. We get very, very poor volumes. Anybody who wants to buy Glencore actually goes overseas and buys it there. Um, locals are not interested and haven't been. Um, and they haven't been attracted. It'll so be, it'll I'm be, concerned. It'll be a very interesting exercise, actually, if someone can mm. sit down and say over the last 20 years and maybe even start with De Beers and say, let's yeah, have a look yeah. at the high-profile D listings from the JSE yeah. Securities yeah, Exchange. Right. I mean, we've got Pioneer. that They're leaving because of PepsiCo. Um, mm. And all that's, although it's not a massive company, it's a chip, chip, chip away all at the, the fabric of the JSC mm. Securities Exchange. Mm. And all the time. Yes, the only, yeah. the only way we're going to get volume to st- stay stable is if the RAND weakens, and which is obviously the wrong, the wrong way to look at mm. it. But no. it will be fascinating to see in the next couple mm. of months what process does to the JSC's uh, volumes, whether there'll be arbitrage between Amsterdam mm. and South Africa, I, I, I don't know, but it certainly, I, it certainly does seem, not a death knell, but it certainly seems like a nail mm. in a coffin. Yeah. No, I didn't know. You know, from my point of view, it's, uh, uh, I'm giving you anecdotal input. You know, I can't, I haven't got the numbers, yeah. but I look every day and I see, well, BHP Bulletin did the same. You know, BHP Bulletin was originally GenCore, which became Bulletin, uh, which then did BHP Bulletin, then became BHP. We've never really, even if you look today, the volumes are not here. You know, no one trades Bulletin. While while foreigners, foreigners might have bought General Mining or GenCore, um, if they want to buy BHP, they don't come to South Africa. Even anglers' volumes, uh, not what they used to be. So, so your, you know, your views are right. This, uh, we're going to see with the demise or with the delisting of De Beers or the, uh, absorption into Anglo-American, slowly the volumes have just gone away. 
And uh, this is going to be another example where I think it migrates. It takes time. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to happen next week. And you might get a reaction to what we're discussing now. Everybody will come with another theory. Oh, yes, budget splitting into two and so on and so, so forth. But I, I'm telling you that over time, um, the, you know, the, the volumes will migrate to Amsterdam, which is the intention. Yes. Yes, it is. Let's have a look at what's been happening today. A company called AVI. Mm. I know you follow AVI. Yep. AVI's yep. results came out for the year into 30th mm. of June this morning. I spoke about it with Greg Davies very briefly this morning on the opening, but the share mm. prices reacted quite nicely. It was a slow start. It was down, and then it recovered, and then away we go. And when I look at it, I think, well, either you, it was oversold, or this was a slightly better, worse result than people were expecting it. I, you see what I, I mean? I, 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 don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, because... I've I've always liked AVR and I've watched them very carefully. You like the management, what don't you? I do, and and they've got very good brands. They're top end brands. What concerned me about the result is at the lower volumes. Mm. And Lindsay, what does it mean? It means people are buying less now. You've got Baker's biscuits and Five Roses tea, and uh, I'm trying to think of all the other um, good names that they have, you know. And and I would have expected them to at least hold. Up. What they've done probably is keeping their prices steady against lower volume, not wanting to discount. But, you know, in tough markets, you get competition discounting. Um, my concern is that, 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 that we are seeing, you know, consumer under pressure. This was a negative result. This share until 2016 went one way up. It was just uh, a company that just kept producing. And in the last three years, they've actually lost almost 50% of their market value, you know, just fallen back on uh, on the numbers. I think maybe they might have been a little too high. But uh, they're holding up. But, Lindsay, it comes back to something we've discussed before. If you're going to have negative numbers, in other words, if your profits are going to decrease or go sideways, then you can't expect to trade on a 15 multiple. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's too expensive. It's not their fault. They're, they're good management. It's just the economy that's, uh, you know, th that's acting against them. So what, what today is, there might have been something in the presentation that got the market up. I'm not sure. They're up about two and a half percent. But, uh, I don't, I don't challenge the numbers. I don't challenge the company. I just challenge the environment in which they're trying to operate. Like for like volume growth, or sorry, revenue growth of 1.2%. Mm. Mm. It says pressure on, this is to your point, uh, pressure yeah. on sales volumes in constrained consumer environment, operating profit down 3%, headline earnings per share down 4.9%. The dividend cover was maintained. Maybe that's what the market likes. Yeah. The final yeah. dividend was 250 cents per share. So they kept that nice and stable, which is, is, which is a welcome bonus, I suppose. But they've spent nearly 500 million rand and as they put it, investment to sustain and grow our businesses of 472.6 million rand. Just, to, you just, have, just mm, to stay stable. They have to do this. You see, you see what one of, the, one of the issues as well with manufacturers. You know, if you're selling goods, yes, you've got a shop and you can buy less or, and so on. But factories have to push through volumes. Uh, the more volumes they push through, in other words, um, the greater they keep, the, you know, the longer they keep factories open, uh, the more they recover their fixed costs. And this is a big problem with our manufacturing sector, particularly in food, is that uh, if you don't do the volumes, those fixed costs start to bite you. And I suppose this is an issue. They need volumes 
to uh, you know to, to to increase their margin. So it applies to all. It applies to Pioneer, to Tigers, to AVI, you know, to all these businesses, and that's where the economy starts to bite them. So they've got to either they look for other markets or alternatively, it's they, you know they're going to take time for them to uh, uh, you know just to stabilize or stay steady. It's hard. It's, it is. It's tough out mm. there. And I, I, I give you an anecdotal piece of research that I've done over the last couple of days. I've been to the, the V&A waterfront in Cape Town on Saturday mm. and on Sunday. You know, I haven't been there for a while, and it's a world-class facility. It really is. This new silo district, the very expensive hotel there, the uh, African Art Museum, and what's sprung mm. up around there. They, Growth Point has done a fantastic job, I have to say, at the V&A. But I went there, and I thought, goodness me, this place is really, really busy i get out from my uber taxi cab and i go there and i walk into the entrance where there's a mcdonald's there's a kfc and there's a wimpy and it's full of mm-hmm. people and kids and, and everything and lots of noise and everybody seems to be having a good time and then you walk in and there's still lots of people but when you walk along the corridors and you're dodging people because it's so busy and then you look in the shops there's nobody in the shops no no. People are looking in the windows, no. David. They're not yeah. buying. Yeah. There's a lot of footfall, no. but there's no, no spending going on. No. That was my impression of the waterfront. No. And my favourite restaurant, which is called Willoughby's, in the shopping centre, yeah. it was half empty and it's always full. Mm. And I said to them, well, what's going on? And he said, well, no, it's because it's a nice sunny day. We haven't seen the sun for ages in Cape Town. Everyone's in the outdoor restaurants. But I just don't buy that. People go for quality. If Willoughby's uh-huh. is n- isn't doing so well, or seems to be, then it's a sign <laughs> that people aren't spending I think it's expensive. You know, Willoughby's fish today is expensive. Hmm. A KFC or a Wimpy is at the bottom end of the market. So I, I, I think that could also be an issue. Yeah. Uh, people just don't have the disposable income that uh, we thought they had, and they're saving. You know? So, so yeah, the Wimpies will do better. People are, are starting to spend down. Yes, they want to get out. They want to walk and they want to enjoy the experiences, but I don't think they've got the kind of money. And it's coming through in all the results. It's coming through in all our retail results. Um, everybody's complaining about the uh, the same issue. Mm. So we'll see in the holiday season. I don't. I don't think that Cape Town. I, I don't know what the holiday season brings. I'm not sure how busy it's going to be. But but I think globally, um, you know, there might be a pullback. And, so, and as you say, you know, South, uh, South Africa is actually becoming more expensive. It's not as cheap as it used to be. It's not a very cheap destination or as cheap as it used to be. No, I went to a hotel in that new silo district in, in Cape Town, in, in the waterfront, which is excellent. Lots of people, uh, smart-looking people having and fun. It's 60 rand for a beer. 60 mm. rand? Yeah. When did that yeah. happen? I know. I, I, I don't, look. You know, you know, the other point is that you've got a lot of duties on a lot of things that, that we import as well. But uh, 60 rand for a beer is very dear. I mean, that's that's really expensive. It really so is. So those 10 rand beers that you used to have, not there anymore. Gosh, no, they're really not. <laughs> I'm going to have to look out for a few, for a few the, happy hour signs, actually, in the well, next couple of days. Well, remember people used to say they could get drunk on. I mean, a beer was two pounds. What's a two beer? 36 rand. Mm. Uh, I mean, now overseas it used to be about two pounds or three pounds now. So you're saying it's more than two pounds. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. expensive. It is indeed. Um, <laughs> other companies coming out with results. There's a company called Workforce, which has gone up 14%. It's a property company. There's a company called Trellidor. Uh, they mm. came out with their results to mm. the year ended June, and also Bell Equipment. Any of those you look mm. at? Not really. Not. Uh, they're very small companies. Trellidor is a, 
you know, fairly new acquisition, you know, new listing. Uh, listing sorry, on the, on the JSC. I don't, you know, they're so small; it's almost impossible to yes. um, to kind of get any kind of volume in any of those workforce as well. I think is it a placement agency or is it a property company? Um, I don't know. I don't. I, know. Don't, I really don't. Actually, workforce sounds like I've a placement. Bothered, I think. But as you say, you don't look at it, and uh, it's probably about not, not a thousand shares as pushed at fourteen percent higher. <laughs> That's not, yeah. not for any reason. No insult to the company themselves. It's no. just uh, there's so much other stuff distracting us at the moment. Yes, into distracted Greg Davies this morning on the opening because it, it came out of the blocks with a 20% rally after one hour of trading into was up 16%. What's it doing now, David? Have you got it on your screen there? I'm looking what's happening overseas because I'm looking at the FTSE. The FTSE seems to have reversed. You know, the GDP numbers that came out of um, the U- uh, UK this morning were a lot better than expected, mm. growing at 0.3%. In fact, uh, into still up strongly, I'm looking now in the UK, up 11. Two three percent in the in the UK. So I'm not sure if there's any news behind it because it's far ahead of other companies uh, like Capital and Counties, which is up about a half a percent, and Hammerson, which is up 0.4 percent. But the FTSE itself is down. But I think that has more to do with with uh, mining companies rather than maybe the UK, because um, generally it seems that the UK companies are are trading better. The pound now at 123 and a half, Lindsay. Mm. That's on the UK. I, d- I don't know what the latest is with Brexit. I have absolutely Nobody no knows. idea because I can't keep up. I know that that Johnson is now suspending Parliament again, but I don't know what that means, you know, in the greater scheme of things. But uh, it means, David, uh, that they come back on October the fourteenth, and then they have, is that so? Yeah, they come okay. back on October the fourteenth, and then they have very few days to ratify whether it's a No Deal Brexit, whether they look to a deal that's done behind the scenes while Parliament is suspended. But when you watch CNN, CNN has some really, really high quality mm. UK parliamentary commentators, and they throw their hands up in the air and say, we don't know. We simply don't know what's going on. And I don't think Boris Johnson knows what's going on either. (laughs) I mean, mean, he's been in Dublin talking to the the Irish Prime Minister and the Irish Prime Minister is saying, no, this, this and this, and Boris Johnson is saying this, this and this. And it just seems that it's a maelstrom out there. It's chaotic. Mm, That's very difficult. And I think markets are just starting to, to work beyond that. Uh, you don't want to be involved in uh, in any UK stocks at the moment. Very, very difficult to understand. Um, you know, other global markets uh, seem to be – I saw the US markets open better. I'm not sure whether they're holding their gains. Lindsay, we, you know, we, we, on the S&P, we're close to uh, 3,000 again. I think we've come mm. – yeah, we're, we're – Two nine eight two. I don't know where that is. It's all. It's, it's one point six percent away from an all-time record mm, high mm. about half an hour ago, which is astonishing. Oh, which given it that is everything, astonishing. Yeah, everything's been thrown at it. It's, it's nearly at all-time record highs, despite the best efforts of Mr. Trump. And if you have a look at the Chinese news as well this morning, uh, the export yeah. and import figures. The Chinese markets were quite buoyant because there's going to be extra stimulus. But the reason for the extra stimulus is because of exports and trade being affected by Donald J. Trump. Sure. We talk like this, but uh, from an outside point of view, um, I was talking to a client uh, of mine just a few minutes ago. Mm. and, And what I was saying, I said, you know, we look at the market and I see it going up, but I never get the feeling, or certainly over the last, and I'm going to say couple of years, not a couple of days, the last couple of years, you never know 
where you are by the end of the day. So you can open up on a positive note, but things change so dramatically minute to minute because of issues that you mentioned, because of Trump, because of Johnson, because of China, because of so many other issues, the Middle East, whatever it is, that you don't know where you are by the end of the day. So you never get that comfortable feeling that you're in the right direction. It's almost as though, you know, you're fighting every pace, every yard of the way. You have to cut through the thicket and, uh, and make progress. So it's a very difficult market to understand. And even though we're talking now that markets are up and, you know, it's almost cynically saying, well, why are they up? That's true. We don't, you know, in many cases, you don't know where we will be in an hour's time. That's, no, that's how difficult things are to read at the moment. I think JP Morgan Chase has just come out with an index which measures the effect of Trump's tweets on the market. It's called, <laughs> it's called Volfifi. It comes out of that extraordinary tweet he sent, uh, he sent out uh, maybe a year ago uh. with the word C-O-V-F-E-F-E and nobody knew what he was talking about. He's never corrected it. It's still there. It's up on his Twitter feed. So he is a um, uh, Twitter feed rather and they've called it the Volfifi Index and, this, and they've analysed when the tweets come out, what it does to the markets and what they have done to the markets. So it's an extraordinary time if you're mm. a short-term trader, yeah, especially yeah. with the algos doing their thing as well. Mm. I mean, it's mm. a bonanza if you get it right, mm. but you're, you're in the graveyard oh, if you get it wrong. You don't know. I don't think there's anybody who can read it. And I'm not, I'm not taking away from clever people in that. I, I'm saying that how people can actually um, write an algorithm around what we see is, is, is almost impossible. So it's, it's very difficult. We just, I look at, as I've said before, we look at companies you know, we try hope that they're on track and doing what they say they're going to do. But from a day-to-day -day price movement, it's very difficult. It is indeed. It's uh, very difficult mm, to go through mm, a weekend. I'm, mm. I'm so glad I'm in Cape Town and there's sunny weather and I can go to the waterfront and wander around and mm, do a bit of personal mm. research into the retail sector. But uh, without football this weekend, David, yeah, uh, it's very, yeah. very difficult. This international break thing really, really irks me somewhat. Yeah, until the competitions come, I think all the preliminaries mean absolutely nothing. You know, once you see the competitions, then things uh, are slightly better. But I must admit, listen, you had the cricket. Yeah, that I was mean, fun. Uh, it is, and it's tense. It's very, very tense. It was and, gripping, uh, actually, credit, yesterday. Yeah, credit to the Australians. I mean, mm, uh, whatever. Steve Smith, see, you've got to, you know, I know you don't like them, but I mean, Smith is just something outstanding. He's I, the I best batsman in the world, and, the best we've seen for many years. He really yeah. is fantastic. So that took a little bit of distraction away from the weekend. I mean, just gave us <laughs> something to watch. <laughs> but I must admit, I must admit, I don't enjoy, you know, watching some of these uh, Bulgaria play England. I mean, hell. Yeah. Seriously. Mm. <laughs> and How many people are there in Bulgaria? But I understand what was very interesting because of the women's. I don't know. I'll ask the Bulgarian minister tomorrow when I see him. But, <laughs> but um, David, you know what was very interesting is that Manchester United played uh, Manchester City yesterday in the Women's Super League, the WSL, which started, which has just started. It's a league tournament like the men's, men's football. Uh, it was, uh, gosh, Manchester City beat them. I can't remember the score now. But there were 31,000 people at the Etihad to watch this game. Chelsea played Spurs at Stamford Bridge. 25,000 people turned up to watch this. And you, you know, oh. without, without willing to be sexist, people have written off the women's game as some kind of sideshow. But no, it's now very serious. And I watched the highlights. Ah, no. The football is quite excellent. Ah, that's interesting. I, I suppose uh, 
they would rather watch that than nothing. At least the soccer ball being Yeah, there's nothing else to do in England <laughs> apart from worry about Brexit. <laughs> David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities, and that was Shapiro World. He'll be back with us tomorrow night with Greg Davies on the 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> that podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.